You reap what you sow. Be sure your sin will find you out. And there are many other verses throughout Scripture that reminds us of this truth, this paradigm, that we can't get away with it, no matter how secret it may seem. And that is what we're seeing here in chapter 29 of Genesis, as Jacob himself, a deceiver, is deceived by one of the best, his uncle Laban. There's a lot of ground to cover, so we're going to jump right into it. Here's Pastor Leighton Sheely with today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno and online at highlands.us. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel, she was lovely in form and beautiful. So we have this older, younger conflict that is a reflection of the misery between Jacob and Esau. So his past is catching up with him. And you'll notice the contrast that is noted here between the older and the younger sister. It says Leah's eyes were weak. And the word there is actually soft. And it's a a description that many commentators think describes uh, somebody that doesn't have a fire in their eyes. And and, and that was highly prized in the ancient East. And yet, on the other hand, Rachel is described as being knockout gorgeous. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Again, unlike the grandfather's servant who came for the same purpose to the same place, he he came empty-handed. And so he didn't have any money to give for the the bride price. And, And so in lieu of a sum of money, he offers to pledge his own labor. And he and he pledges seven years of labor. Now, you know, that's not insignificant because in ancient texts from the period, uh, we find that the typical bride price was between 30 and 40 shekels and that a shepherd earned about 10 shekels a year. So it would have taken between three and four years for a shepherd to be able to pay the bride price. And here he offers seven years. He's paying double for the opportunity to marry Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other men. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. What Jacob didn't realize at this point is that Laban was a master schemer who was going to figure out a way of controlling him for the next 20 years. And in the excitement of that moment where he's accepting a job and being in, becoming engaged to a beautiful woman, he failed to mention, he failed to notice that Laban had made no promise that he would give Rachel to Jacob at the end of the seven years. He only agreed that he would give her as a wife. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Laban didn't say yes. He kind of deflected the conversation a bit. Now, shepherding is not an easy job, and seven years is a long time, but his immense love for her made, uh, made that burden not so burdensome, and, and time passed quickly. And it's been said that happiness consists of three things, of having someone to love, something to do, And something to look forward to. And Jacob had all three. And seven years passed. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to lie with her. 
Now, the wording here suggests that Laban may have been holding out a bit, trying to extort from Jacob whatever he could, because Jacob doesn't say, please give me my wife. He says, give me my wife, which is not a request. It is a demand. And you'll notice he refers to Rachel as my wife, not your daughter. Uh, The relationship here is similar to the relationship between Joseph and Mary in the New Testament, where the couple is considered a husband and wife, even though the marriage has not yet been physically consummated. And it should also not be lost upon us that Jacob and Rachel have remained celibate for seven years, awaiting the consummation of marriage. Now, what does a wedding look like? Well, a typical wedding of that era and place featured processions to and from the bride's dwelling. There was a reading of the marriage contract, a feast that was attended by all of the family and and the community. And then at the end of the first day of festivities, the groom would wrap his cloak around the bride and take her to his tent where the marriage would be consummated. And following that, the feast would continue for six more days. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob. And Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maidservant. Notice, when evening came, when darkness came. Now, Eastern women were fairly secluded, and there was no such thing as dating in that culture. But no doubt, over those seven years, Jacob had come to know uh, the sisters, Rachel and Leah, quite well. So the question then is, is how in the world did he get deceived? Well, evidently, Laban used the veiling of the bride. You remember when Rebecca saw her husband, she veiled herself. Brides veil themselves. Used the veiling of the bride, the lateness of the hour, the darkness, and much wine to affect the switch. Watch out for wine, much wine. No doubt, Leah would have been dressed in Rachel's clothes, maybe had some of her perfume on. Any discussion, if there was any discussion, would have been in whispered words of love. And, of course, Jacob was unsuspecting. Now, whatever Laban did to keep Rachel away, we have no idea of what that was. And more, Leah could have been a very willing bride. Now, you think about it, she could have revealed the plot. But if she had, what would have happened? Well, Jacob would have probably been banished from the home without his beloved Rachel. And for the rest of her life, she would have had to live with an angry sister and an angry father who would make her life miserable. Some, perhaps she would die an old maid. So when you think about it, for her, it just didn't, didn't make any sense. It just wasn't worth it to reveal the scheme. But besides that, it's probable that she actually was in love with Jacob also as we find as we continue reading. So that would have made her a willing accomplice, uh, happy to get Jacob, this hardworking man, as a husband. And be, uh, he was, of course, would inherit uh, Abraham and Isaac's wealth and uh, the covenant blessing of Abraham. And she knew that if that happened, she was going to have to put up with her sister. But she figured, I'll just work with it. She had no idea of what that was really going to cost. When morning came... There was Leah. 
Get it? Surprise? <laughs> when morning come, <gasps> there's Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Do you think he might have mentioned that before the seven years? Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return. Oh, there's a catch. In return for another seven years of work. Now, there's irony in his words, and he's caught in the same device he himself had uh, used once. He pretended to be Esau in, in front of Isaac, and Leah pretends to be Rachel when she's next to Jacob. And his ruse was pretending to be his older brother, and her ruse is pretending to be her younger sister. And so he's deceived in the like manner as he deceived his father. So at long last, he now knows what it's like to be on the receiving end. Yeah. And uh, his outreach probably exceeded that of his brother because his brother had despised the birthright. But he thought that Rachel was the most beautiful woman in the world. And so now he understood to the nth degree the pain that he had caused Esau. Now, it's interesting here that when Laban makes this description, he doesn't use the word for Leah was the older sister. He uses instead the word firstborn. She was the firstborn. And in being, in, in, in being given Leah first, Jacob was forced to learn that the right of the firstborn must be respected, which is something he had been unwilling to do in the case of his own brother. So you can imagine then the groom waking up the first morning of his marriage and discovering he's married to the wrong person. Now, among the Semitic peoples, they have seven days for their marriage. And during those seven days, the bride and the groom are treated like queen and king. But in all likelihood, Jacob must have felt like the court jester. Because no doubt, this guy was so head over heels over Rachel, he'd been telling everybody he could see in the days leading up to the marriage, hey, in a few days, I'm going to get to marry Rachel. I'm going to get to marry Rachel. I'm going to get to marry Rachel. And now he's not married to Rachel. So Leah made a fool of him. And there was nothing that he could do about it because in that culture, the father-in-law was in supreme control. And the father-in-law had been able to marry off two of his daughters to a potentially wealthy man and in the process also secured another seven years of labor from his son-in-law. In fact, if you keep reading here, there's not even a mention of a second week of wedding feast. So you probably got two daughters married off for the cost of one. And you dads who paid for daughters' weddings know what a, what a, what a challenge that can be. So Jacob's past had caught up with him, and he could do little more than accept the results and serve Laban seven more years. Verse 28, and Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant girl Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maidservant. Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. And scripture would go on to say that that seven years would pass by in Jacob's eyes as just a blink of an eye because of his love for Rachel. 
Well, we are studying Genesis chapter 29, and we are trusting that our time together is of encouragement to you. From time to time, we like to remind you that your letters, your emails, your phone calls, they mean a great deal to us. It lets us know how this program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with Christ. Along those lines, would you take a quick moment, drop us a quick email, let us know how the program ministers to you? That would mean a great deal to us. You can do so by visiting our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You'll also find information about Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, where we meet, when, and directions to the church. Again, you'll find it all at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Tomorrow, we are back in chapter 29 of Genesis. Join us then for another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely.